It apparently pays to be Antifa. Pays really well. ISIS is at the border. Mm-hmm. Like that should surprise anybody. And cities are now blaming car makers for their problems. All that and more coming up tonight. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. I said tonight because it's night where I am. It's morning where you are. Happy Wednesday, halfway through the week, it's hump day. Welcome. It's uh, great to have you along. Hello to everybody in the live chat. We are watching the live chat, so anything you want to add to the show, feel free, make a comment, put something out there, promote your own channel. I don't care. Whatever you want to do, shove it in the live chat. We'll uh, we'll talk about it, give you a hat tip. All right, yeah, so uh, all that and more is coming up tonight. And uh, before we get started, we want to tell you about our great sponsor here, one of them, that is Blackout Coffee. America's Warriors Coffee. Duty, value, family, rights. That's what Blackout Coffee is all about. And yes, it's endorsed by that guy, Dan Bongino, among many others, including yours truly. Blackout Coffee founded on the principles of conservative values. Their founders believe in two things. Making the most amazing, kick-ass cup of coffee you ever had. And hard work, personal responsibility, family, respect, traditional American values. This is absolutely the best small batch roasted coffee you will ever taste. Amazing. And it's all done in-house. They use the best soil. They grow at the right time of year, perfect altitude, and they're harvested at just the right time. They work with local co-ops and American farmers. That's important because, you know, you can have a company that's American and everything else is imported. Not blackout coffee. Everything. 100% USA. That's what's important. In addition, of course, you got to have a good product to back it up. And this is a good product. Roasted, packed, and shipped with lightning speed. Usually 24 to 48 hours from the time you order. So you truly are getting a fresh roasted bag of coffee beans. You know that crap you buy on the store shelves. You don't know how long it's been sitting there. When it was roasted. Could have been even months ago, as far as you know. Get this the beans just days after they've been roasted. The combination of premium coffee beans, their incredible roasting, highly controlled roasting process, and uh, immediate shipping gives you the customer and elite coffee experience. They've got all kinds of great blends and brands, and let's see where, uh, here we go. Signature blends, the Dan Bongino blend is there too. Never bitter, always strong coffee with Values, partner roast, signature blends, flavored coffee, a five pound bag if you really know you're going to love it. Try one bag though, just get a single bag. That's all you need to do. You don't need to buy a five pound bag. You can if you want, or you know, 10, 20, 50 bags. Knock yourself out if you want, but just buy a single bag of coffee beans, get it delivered fast to your door, try them out, you'll be back. Because seriously, folks, these blackout coffee uh, varieties are amazing. I drink it, and I highly recommend it. Check out our link in our show notes. That'll get you a special deal. And when you check out, use J20, our promo code, for 20% off your first order. 20% off your first order with the promo code J20, J-A-Y, my first name, 20. Promo code J20 at checkout for 20% off 
your first order. Thank you, Blackout Coffee. We are very proud and happy to have you as a part of this show. All right. Apparently, it is a very, very, very profitable thing for you to be a member of Antifa, riot, burn down buildings, injure people, assault people. Check this headline from Blaze. Denver is going to pay $4.7 million to BLM protesters who violated the emergency curfew during the 2020 riots. Read that again. Protesters who violated the emergency curfew during the 2020 riots will be paid $4.7 million. The city of Denver reached a settlement with more than 300 Black Lives Matter protesters arrested for violating the city's ordinance, uh, emergency curfew, and took part in the 2020 summer riots following the death of George Floyd. They unanimously approved. It's Denver, folks. What do you expect? They approved the settlement unanimously Monday. The uh, class action lawsuit against the Denver Police Department of using then-Mayor Michael Hancock's emergency curfew order to target protesters demonstrating against police brutality. Civil rights law firm claimed the protesters were detained for two or more days. Aw, you were rioting, idiots. Alleged the arrest put the plaintiffs in danger of contracting COVID-19. Well, you know what wouldn't have put you in danger? If you'd have just kept your ass home and not put on your little black uh, outfits and gone out and caused trouble. Also claimed the arrest caused demonstrators to miss... What? This is from the complainants. The rioters complained because they got arrested... They missed work, and some were pushed to attempt suicide. Unfreaking $4.7 million for this bullcrap. Nice move, Denver. And you know, they won't be the last one. Now that the sort of precedent has been set, they're going to be lining up courtroom by courtroom. This is insane. Mm. I'm going to tell you about these mugs in just a bit and a premium offer we have coming up. You heard about Joe Biden's uh, fake email address? His hidden super secret email address that now everyone knows about. What is it? Joe, Robert R. Peters or something? Some crap. Apparently he had more than one. Well, it just gets interestinger and interestinger because now, apparently it wasn't just a few emails. It was 5,400 pseudonym emails. That's a lot of emails. According to the National Archives, who were fighting tooth and nail not to release this stuff, 5,400 emails under the fake name 
According to a conservative nonprofit, the National Archives and Records admin acknowledged being in possession of nearly 5,400 emails, electronic records, and other documents that potentially show Joe Biden used pseudonyms while emailing his son Hunter while he was vice president. FOI uh, request made by the Atlanta-based legal advocacy group Southern Legal Foundation July, uh, June of 2022. Same day SLF fired the, uh, filed the federal lawsuit to obtain thousands of emails that were in NARA's possession. The emails allegedly sent by the then vice president using three different pseudonyms. Recently come under scrutiny as House Republicans' investigation continues over Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings. And if the Republicans don't grow a spine sometime soon, or a pear, ain't nothing going to happen. As usual, spineless, useless, worthless Republican Party just won't get off their ass and actually do something. How many times did Democrats impeach Trump? How quick was that process? It's like they, they had the idea to do it in the morning, and by that night, it was done. They were walking it across the hall. Joe Biden, of course, consistently lying, rejecting uh, any accusations of influence peddling, denying any wrongdoing, saying there was an absolute wall between business dealings of his family and his role as vice president. And, of course, now we also know that to be completely bullshit. Rest of the stories in the article. Check it out if you like. You can read about it. What's the National Archives revealed? And in this article also, it talks about the fact that the National Archives themselves are playing games, trying not to release some of the information that they have. They can't do that, folks. Here's one for you. Bernie's tweets. Love this guy. At balance always. Eco-warriors. You know, the nutbags who sit in the road and block traffic, have their little music festivals. Well, there was a festival called the Leeds Festival. And it states, Music declares emergency eco-camp. Host to a recording Leeds Festival First Eco Camp. We must tell the truth about the climate emergency. Climate change is happening now. Our future actions can help you determine the outcome. You want to see the outcome? Take a look. This is drone footage courtesy of Yap App and the BBC of what the place looked like after the climate promoting eco festival music happened look at the crap these people left behind this is the look at that look at that that's the there's no people there that's after the festival was over freeze that there you go look at that 
Those are not people. That's garbage. They really care about the environment, huh? Talk the talk, don't walk the walk, because what, it's just too inconvenient for you to actually pick up all your garbage and maybe throw it away? You care about the environment, please. Rachel Maddow's back in the news, but before we tell you about that idiot, we can tell you about this. No, we already told you about Blackout Coffee. You're going to check it out. I know you will. It's links in our show notes. But for now, I want to tell you, this mug, the Jay Sheldon Show mug, is available at our link in the show notes, the Jay Sheldon Show merchandise store. But we've got a very special, very limited edition. It's only going to be up for a week, so you got about another four days before this thing disappears. Yes, we're taking full advantage. It's the Mugshot T-shirt from the Jay Sheldon Show. Take a look at how cool this thing looks. It's only available in black tee, but black, you know, everybody loves a black T-shirt. And it's got tons of sizes from like, I don't know, double XS, triple XS, all the way up to like 5XXL. So there is a size there for you. I kept the price as low as I possibly could. I'm not really making any money on this. I just wanted to get it out there and get you a chance to grab one. But check this thing out. It is fantastic. It's using, of course, our uh, <laughs> our hero Donald Trump and his mugshot and our uh, graphics guy, uh it took and uh, turned that into a design for our T-shirt with a great red, white, and, red, white, and blue background. Jay Sheldon Show logo on there. And, uh, yeah, you can pick one up. The link is the top link in our show notes. It's there temporarily. It'll be gone by next week. So uh, these things are not going to last or until we sell out of them. But uh, do check it out. You want to pick one up? Pick one up. Wear it with pride. You're going to – you know you want one. Grab one anyway. It's uh, the – the mugshot t-shirt from the Jay Sheldon show. Oh, man. All right. There. I plugged my own stuff. Forgive me, okay? It's it's just for fun. It's for, They are really nice, though. They're very cool. Nice, soft cotton. Nice tees. There's a bunch of other merchandise over there if you want to check it out. All right. Rachel Maddow, far, far left. So far left, she's nearly come back around the other side is promoting a new conspiracy theory. And it's 100% conspiracy theory. That Donald Trump will most likely remain president until he dies, like a king, if he is elected in 2024. You think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. Take a look at this moron. I'm not going to play the whole thing because your brain will suck into itself and disappear. The election means one of two things, if this is the way he's going to approach it. Either he loses the election and he goes to prison, or he wins the election, he doesn't go to prison, and is that for life? that he gets to be president? Will we keep having more elections or no? If every election is a new opportunity for him to go to prison, do you think he allows us to have new elections? I mean, if those are the stakes, if winning the election is his plan to stay out of prison, what happens in that election if and when he does not win it? It's exactly like this uh, person who posted this. 
Colin Rugg, hat tip at Colin Rugg on Twitter, on X. How does this woman still have a job? No, seriously. She has lost her, I mean, everybody knows, what does she have, an audience of three people in the airport with the sound off? But seriously, how does this idiot still have a job? Who is watching her? Moreover, who is listening and believing her crap? She is gone. She's lost it. You don't want to know, and maybe you already do, you don't want to know how many millions this idiot makes. ISIS. ISIS is at our border, folks. I warned you. You got a wide open border. Our enemies are going to take advantage of it. The Chinese certainly are. And now, a smuggler with ties to ISIS helped migrants cross into the U.S. from Mexico. This doesn't break well. This just came out yesterday. The FBI investing a dozen Uzbek nationals who've been allowed into the U.S. after they previously sought asylum at the Mexican border. This investigation sparked after the U.S. intelligence officials discovered the migrants had apparently traveled with the help of a smuggler who reportedly has ties to ISIS. CNN, believe it or not, reported the FBI hasn't yet identified any kind of an ISIS plot, but they are still trying to identify and assess all the individuals who got access into the country, per National Security Spokesperson Adrian Watson. They said they're also carefully tracking a group of migrants as possible criminal threats. Situations so pressing that a classified intelligence report made it into the morning briefing books of the president and top cabinet officials. This development seems to reveal exactly how the U.S. border is vulnerable to terrorists who can, will, and are sneaking across the border into the country. Unchecked. Keep that southern border open, Biden, you freaking moron. Hiding within groups of other migrants seeking asylum and coming right on in. There's a few more details in that article if you want to check it out. It's scary. And it is something you need to pay attention to. It's not going to get better. It really isn't. You know, they're so worried about surveilling us. Maybe they should worry about surveilling the illegal aliens. That would be a good idea. And that was a rather cheap uh, attempt at a segue. Because our next story, which comes from reclaimthenet.org, the NSA is telling employees to surveil people with dignity and respect. Orwellian levels of justification. This by Ken Macon. The NSA, highly classified agency spearheading American electronic espionage, 
has imposed a new directive on its employees. It places the emphasis on foreign intelligence targets being treated with dignity and respect. I'm not kidding. First it's, what, diversity, equity, and inclusion? Now they want to have foreign intelligence targets treated with dignity and it's we've passed it folks we have absolutely passed it the guidance primarily for the department uh, in charge of furtive surveillance and global data collection notoriously known as the signals intelligence or signet division the internal directive said that in recognition that signet activities must take into account all persons should be treated with dignity and respect regardless of their nationality or wherever they might reside <laughs> I, I, I just can't I can't anymore the people who are in charge of guarding our borders, keeping an eye on the people who want to spy on us, who want to control us, who want to make war with us, have now been told that they must treat potentially what is the enemy with dignity and respect. And if you say, yeah, so what? Get out. Just There's the door. Don't let it hit you in the ass on the way out. Liberal cities have a new scapegoat, a new punching bag. You know, they pass these laws where you can't be charged with a crime if what you're stealing is under 800, 900 bucks, 700 bucks, whatever. Looting going on, they just run in the store, grab whatever the hell they want, run back out again. Gun laws, gun control attempts. Now cities are suing Kia and Hyundai over a rise in vehicle thefts. <laughs> These are such head shakers, I swear to God. Chicago, New York City, Indianapolis, Milwaukee, you noticing a theme here? Cleveland, Baltimore, Seattle, San Diego, and St. Louis. All far-left liberal democratic shitholes. And now they're trying to blame the car makers for a rise in vehicle thefts. Chicago, the latest major city to sue Hyundai and Kia for failing to equip their U.S. cars for more than a decade with anti-theft technology like it makes any difference at all. It don't. <laughs> Unlike the movies, hot-wiring vehicles is far harder than it appears, unless that vehicle was manufactured by Hyundai or Kia. This is according to the lawsuit filed Thursday of last week from the city of Chicago. 
Other cities already have filed suits against Kia and Hyundai over a rise in vehicle thefts. They're trying to blame the car makers. A federal judge early this month declined to approve a $200 million class action lawsuit settlement from the automobile manufacturers to cover about 9 million vehicles with model years ranging from 2011 to 22. Kia, Hyundai, stop it. Stop it. Do not give in to these people. I know it's expensive to fight these bullshit lawsuits, but you've got to. You simply have to. Settling with these people is insane. It's just going to continue until somebody puts their foot down and says no more. No, not going to do it. They're trying to blame the cities. This is from Just the News, John Solomon's site. The article is in our show notes if you want to read it. Read more of the details. Check it out. It will make you shake your head, my friends. It will make you shake your head. All right. Oh, man. I got a good one. I got an amazing one. This is absolutely incredible. We always end up with something funny or cute, something that makes you go, oh. Well, tonight, before we get on with our book, I got something that is going to stir your heart. And I'm not kidding. I'm guessing this is a football game because I see goalposts in the background. During the singing of the Star-Spangled Banner, they released this eagle. Prepare to be proud. Have a look. Goosebumps all over. That is magical. <sighs> Incredible. That should make you proud. There is a link to that Twitter uh, X feed in our show notes tonight. Please, please share that out. Get it out there. Let people know what it's like to be a proud American. Man, that's nice. I, I just, wow. I'm going to save that bookmark for a long time. That is so damn cool. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> One little more sip of blackout coffee here. And we are ready to move on to our book. Yes, we read books on this show. Been doing it from the very beginning. 400 over 440, by the way. This is show 440 uh, tonight, this morning. And uh, we've read children's classic literature. Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Wizard of Oz, Little Prince. And we are doing uh, 
We did 1984 from George L. Orwell at a viewer's suggestion. And then we loved George Orwell so much, we moved on to Animal Farm. By the way, a fellow that I work with today, we were talking about the show and the books, and he suggested Catcher in the Rye. That's not a bad idea. I read that book when I was young, and I don't remember a thing about it. <laughs> but I remember it was a damn good book. I'll check, see if it's in the public domain. We might do that next. Might do that next. We'll see. All right, anyway, let's get on with it. We are moving along here with George Orwell's Animal Farm, first published back in 1944. Afterwards, Squealer made a round of the farm set the animals' minds at rest. He assured them the resolution against engaging in trade and using money had never been passed or even suggested. It was pure imagination, probably traceable in the beginning to lies circulated by Snowball. A few animals still felt mm, faintly doubtful, but Squealer asked them shrewdly, Are you certain this isn't something you dreamed, comrades? Have you any record of such a resolution? Is it written down anywhere? And since it was certainly true that nothing of the kind existed in writing, the animals were satisfied that they must have been mistaken. Well, every Monday, Mr. Wimper visited the farm as had been arranged. He was a sly-looking little man with side whiskers, a solicitor in a very small way of business. But sharp enough to have realized earlier that anyone else at Animal Farm would need a broker, and the commissions would be worth having. The animals watched his coming and going with a kind of dread, avoided him as much as possible. Nevertheless, the sight of Napoleon on all fours, delivering orders to Whimper, who stood on two legs, roused their pride partly reconciled them to the new arrangement. Their relations with the human race were now not quite the same as they'd been before. The human beings did not hate Animal Farm any less now that it was being prosperous. Indeed, they hated it more than ever. Every human being held it as an article of faith that the farm would go bankrupt sooner or later and, above all, the windmill would be a failure. They'd meet in the public houses, prove to one another by means of diagrams that the windmill was bound to fall down, or that if it did stand up, it would never work. And yet, against their will, they'd developed a certain respect for the efficiency with which the animals were managing their own affairs. One symptom of this was that they had begun to call Animal Farm by its proper name, and ceased to pretend it was called the Manor Farm. They also dropped their championship of Jones, who'd given up hope of getting his farm back and gone to live in another part of the country. Except through Whimper, there was as yet no contact between Animal Farm and the outside world. But there were constant rumors that Napoleon was about to enter into a definite business agreement, either with Mr. Pilkington or Fo of Foxwood or Mr. Frederick of Pinchfield. But never, it was noticed, with both simultaneously. 
It was about this time the pigs suddenly moved into the farmhouse, took up residence there. Again the animals seemed to remember that a resolution against this had been passed in the earlier days. And again Squealer was able to convince them that this was not the case. It was absolutely necessary, he said, that the pigs who were the brains of the farm should have a quieter place to work. It was also more suited to the dignity of the leader, for of late he'd taken to speaking of Napoleon under the title of leader, to live in a house rather than a mere sty. Nevertheless, some of the animals were disturbed when they heard the pigs were not only and took their meals in their kitchen and used the drawing room as a recreation room, but also slept in the beds. Boxer passed it off as usual with, Napoleon is always right, but Clover, who thought she remembered a definite ruling against beds, went to the end of the barn tried to puzzle out the seven commandments which were inscribed there. Finding herself unable to read more than individual letters, she fetched Muriel. Muriel, she said, read me the fourth commandment. Does it not say something about never sleeping in a bed? Well, with some difficulty, Muriel spelt it out. It said, no animal shall sleep in a bed with sheets, she announced finally. Well, curiously enough, Clover had not remembered that the fourth commandment mentioned sheets. But as it was there on the wall, it must have done so. And Squealer, who happened to be passing at this moment, attended by two or three dogs, was able to put the whole matter into its proper perspective. "'You've heard then, comrades,' he said, "'that we pigs now sleep in the beds of the farmhouse. "'And why not? "'Did you not suppose, surely, there was ever a ruling against beds? "'A bed merely means a place to sleep in. "'A pile of straw in a stall is a bed, properly regarded. "'The rule was against sheets.' which are a human invention. We've removed the sheets from the farmhouse beds and sleep between the blankets. Very comfortable beds they are, too, but not more comfortable than we need, I can tell you, comrades. With all the brain work we have to do nowadays, you would not want to rub, rob us of our repose, would you, comrades? You would not want us too tired to carry out our duties. Surely, none of you would wish to see Jones back. Well, the animals reassured him on this point immediately. No more was said about the pigs sleeping in the farmhouse beds. And when, some days afterward, it was announced that from now on the other pigs would get up an hour later in the mornings than the other animals, no complaint was made about that either. By the autumn, the animals were tired, but happy. They had a hard year. After the sale of part of the hay and corn, the stores of food for the winter were none too plentiful. But the windmill compensated for everything. 
It was almost half-built now. After the harvest, there was a stretch of clear, dry weather, and the animals toiled harder than ever, thinking it well worthwhile to plod to and fro all day with blocks of stone, if by doing so they could raise the walls another foot. Boxer would even come out at nights and work for an hour or two by his own light at the harvest moon. In their spare moments, the animals would walk round and round the half-finished mill, admiring the strength and perpendicularity of its walls, and marveling that they should have ever been able to build anything so imposing. Only old Benjamin refused to grow enthusiastic about the windmill, though, as usual, he would utter nothing beyond the cryptic remark that donkeys live a long time. November came with raging southwest winds. Building had to stop because it was now too wet to mix the cement. Finally, there came a night when the gale was so violent the farm buildings rocked on their foundations and several tiles were blown off the roof of the barn. The hens woke up squawking with terror because they'd all dreamed simultaneously of hearing a gun go off in the distance. In the morning, the animals came out of their stalls to find the flagstaff had been blown down and an elm tree at the foot of the orchard had been plucked up like a radish. They'd just noticed this when a cry of despair broke out from every animal's throat. A terrible sight had met their eyes. The windmill was in ruins. With one accord, they dashed down to the spot. Napoleon, who seldom moved out of a walk, raced ahead of them all. Yes, there it lay, the fruits of all their struggles, leveled to its foundations. Stones they'd broken and carried so laboriously scattered all around. Unable to speak at first, they stood gazing mournfully at the litter of fallen stone. Napoleon paced to and fro in silence, occasionally snuffing at the ground. His tail grown rigid, twitched sharply from side to side, a sign in him of intense mental activity. Suddenly he halted, as though his mind were made up. Comrades, he said, do you know who's responsible for this? Do you know the enemy who's come in the night and overthrown our windmill? Snowball! He suddenly roared in a voice of thunder. Snowball has done this thing. In sheer malignity, thinking to set back our plans and avenge himself for his ignominious expulsion. This traitor has crept in here under the cover of night and destroyed our work of nearly a year. Comrades, here and now, I pronounce the death sentence upon Snowball, animal hero second class and half a bushel of apples 
to any animal who brings him to justice, a full bushel to anyone who captures him alive. The animals were shocked beyond measure to learn that even Snowball could be guilty of such an action. There was a cry of indignation, and everyone began thinking out ways of catching Snowball if he should ever come back. Almost immediately, the footprints of a pig were discovered in the grass a little distance from the knoll. They could only be traced a few yards, but appeared to lead to a hole in the hedge. Napoleon snuffed deeply at them and pronounced them to be snowballs. He gave it as his opinion that Snowball had probably come from the direction of Foxwood Farm. No more delays, comrades, cried Napoleon when the footprints had been examined. There is work to be done. This very morning we begin rebuilding the windmill, and we will build all through the winter. Rain or shine. We will teach this miserable traitor that he cannot undo our work so easily. Remember, comrades, there must be no alteration in our plans. This shall be carried out to the day. Forward, comrades. Long live the windmill. Long live Animal Farm. Coming up tomorrow, we'll start Chapter 7. <laughs> wow! George Orwell's 1944 Animal Farm. All right. Hey, please don't forget to hit that follow button right there. It's free for you. doesn't cost a thing. We don't spam your inbox, and it really does help the show out a lot. We are four follows away from my goal of 100 and then we'll move on to two and five and a thousand we'll get there little bites i always say it little bites four of you please just hit that follow button and we are good to go all right enjoy the rest of your day and i will see you again tomorrow Snort. <laughs> <laughs>